Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Regular listeners to this podcast or readers of the Ministry Watch website know that we often write about preachers behaving badly. We do so because we believe it's important to maintain the purity, peace, and unity of the church, and we believe what the Bible teaches in Ephesians 5.11, that we should have no fellowship with the evil deeds of darkness. We should instead expose them. But the goal is not merely to expose wrongdoers, but to prevent future wrongdoing and, whenever possible, to encourage confession, repentance, and ultimate restoration. These ideas were in my mind when I had the conversation that you're about to hear with Dr. Rich Kidd. Rich is a founding partner at Mission Leadership, a firm that, among other things, specializes in finding executive-level leaders for key positions in a broad array of industries, but most especially with Christian nonprofits, large churches, Christian schools and colleges, and mission-minded businesses. I wanted to talk with Rich about the things that he looks for during the search process that deal not just with competency, but with character. If you're looking for a pastor or a senior executive, what should you ask to make sure the person you think you're getting is truly the person you are getting? What safeguards and guardrails can your organization put in place to protect both the organization and the people in the organization? Rich has had a long and varied career in ministry. In the local church, he's worked in roles from janitor to senior pastor, sometimes simultaneously, he jokes. Uh, He's worked in small church plants and large multi-staff churches. He served as the director of campus ministries for Regent University, where he also taught in the College of Arts and Sciences and in the School of Divinity. Rich is a graduate of the College of William and Mary where he was a presidential or Monroe scholar, and he holds an MDiv from Trinity International University, a doctorate from Fuller Theological Seminary. Rich is also an ordained minister in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Well, Rich, welcome to the program. And, you know, you're the first guy I thought of when I wanted to explore this topic with uh, someone. Uh, and the topic, uh, of course, is Uh, You know, how to find a senior executive and number one, which, of course, you're an expert in, but more particularly in a Christian context, uh, how do you vet for things that maybe a secular corporation wouldn't have to, uh, you know, be as concerned about? Uh, And I, you know, Rich, because you and I have known each other for a while and you kind of know what I do and I kind of know what you do. Um, you know, you know, and and of course, a lot of our listeners know that uh, one of the things that we see at Ministry Watch a lot is is uh, leaders who are extraordinarily gifted, extraordinarily competent. They rise in an organization and in the public's eye based on that giftedness and competence, but then something in their character causes them to fall and creates a big disaster for the organization and. I guess the spirit of this uh, conversation is just to say, how do we prevent that? You know, what can we do both as leaders who might be looking for other leaders like, you know, elders and deacons and so on, or 
um, you know, the leaders ourselves, if, if we might be those folks, what can we, what can we do to put guardrails in our lives? Well, Warren, it's, it's good to visit with you on this subject. It, it comes close to home because, you know, I, I don't know if I should admit in the early part of your show, but I have a disturbing number of people in your reports that are, that, that I know, you know, I, I open up a, a ministry watch and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I know that person and I know that person and I know that person. And so it's honestly pretty, pretty personal to me because these are uh, friends and, and the scripture warns us that, you know, when someone is caught in a sin that uh, those of us who are spiritual and, and we understand what that means, who, who, are wanting to take a spiritual viewpoint of things that we should seek to restore them, but in a spirit of gentleness, lest we ourselves be led astray. And I think that that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? That you, you can't let um, poor behavior, poor choices, abusive behavior, um, you know, the, the kinds of things that you're reporting on regularly, all too regularly. And, and we can't let it go unchecked and, and we can't uh, not call it out. That's, you know, teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, right? That's the, the role of a spiritual leader. But at the same time, there needs to be a, a spirit of gentleness as we restore. That's always our heart is to restore, right? Yeah, exactly right. And and I'm with you, Rich. I, I know a lot of these people. I mean, I'm I'm reporting on people that I that either are friends in some cases or at a minimum are people that I have encountered professionally along the way. Uh maybe I've interviewed them, maybe I've um you know, done other activities with them. And you're exactly right that that uh, restoration is the ultimate goal. And um but, you know, how much better it would be that if there, even the restoration wasn't necessary, if, uh, you know, if as deacons and elders or board members, we could, uh, you know, we could choose men and women with good reputation and put some preventive um, uh, guardrails in the organization and in their lives that we keep them from doing that. And I'm just wondering, um, whenever, whenever you are doing an executive search, um, what's, first of all, is it legal to ask questions, you know, um, that might relate to a person's moral, uh, life or spiritual life? Um, and, so what's legal and also what's prudent? I mean, and, um, you know, what's a, what would be a good practice? I mean, if, uh, if I'm being asked, uh, you know, to be a candidate for a ministry, should, um, should they interview my wife? Should they look at my cell phone to see what websites I've been on? Uh, are the, are these, are these things acceptable to ask for? I mean, or in fact, are they, uh, is it a failure if we don't ask? Yeah, it's a great question. And of course, uh, context matters a great deal. If if we are hiring um, uh, a, a youth pastor for our church or a family pastor, and they're going to be um, interacting with minors, uh, then yes, of course, we, we need to know that not only a, a criminal background check, but we need to know what kinds of things they're posting on social media. We need to know, um, you know, what is going on in their family life, you know, just, just because there are laws in the country doesn't mean we set the scripture aside and, and, it, you know, the, the uh, provisions for spiritual leadership are that they are to manage their household well. So it is only natural that we would ask questions uh, about that. That's where you learn management is, is in your household. And if you've ever tried to 
direct an unruly teenager to do something he doesn't want to do, then, you know, you, you haven't had a management challenge. <laughs> Mine is currently eating me out of house and home. But the uh, so I think context matters. Um, but if, if the truth is, if you're going to make an investment and, and a hire is an investment, right? You're, you're going to have to train this person, no matter how good they are, you're going to have to train them. You're going to have to, um, uh, put them in situations where you're teaching them your organization. It's a tremendous investment. It, you, you want to have a good return on that investment. And so I think that, um, uh, you do want to uh, uh, kick the tires, so to speak. You know, in, in, if you're hiring a CEO, you, it is very common in CEO interviews uh, in Christian organizations to have a personal reception where board members are there. And of course, that's their most uh, important function as a board is to is to find the next CEO. But to host uh, a function where not only are, uh, is the search committee going to interview the candidate, but if there is a spouse, that they would host that spouse as well and observe them. It's not an interview per se. It's not a two for one situation. That sort of is the the, the old school Christian uh, ministry approach is that, you know, you got the the one person who does the job and then the other person is kind of along for the ride and you you, you get two for one. It's not two for one, but the, the in the best situations, that couple is a team. Uh, you know, one of the most common uh, functions of a CEO is to raise funds. And often it is the, the woman uh, in, in, a, in a partnership who's controlling philanthropic decisions. And so if uh, you know, there's not an opportunity to bring a you know husband and wife team into a conversation. Um, you know, I've watched uh, if I could personalize it, James Ackerman, who was a placement of mine uh, as the CEO of Prison Fellowship. He and Martha are amazing together, and she brings you know of her own volition, you know, some amazing creativity and leadership and perspective that you know, while she's not an employee, she enriched his uh, leadership tremendously. And he's now chosen his successor and uh, it's a female. So it's the opposite way. You know, we don't have to be uh, uh, kind of traditional. The male is the CEO and the woman, you know, it, it, it goes either way. But if there is a partner, boy, is it powerful to have that teamwork there and to observe them as a team in a more relaxed social setting, I think is very important. But your question is, what should we ask them? Is that right? Yeah, that that's right. I mean, what's legal and you know to ask them, and what's prudent to ask them. I mean, you know, so for example, uh, should we, you know, should we ask them to, you know, should we do a forensic examination of their computer and their uh, telephone? Is that um, is that would that be insulting to a high level candidate, or would it be something that they would say, "Hey, I'm glad you asked, man," because that is just, uh, uh, you know, is there. Um, Getting to know the wife or the spouse, and um, you know, might be the husband in in some in many cases as well. You know, is important as you said. But what about others uh, in their lives? Should you is it should you call their pastor? Should you call other who uh, folks in their lives? Again, is that kind of uh, thing uh, legal for one thing? And number two, is it prudent for the organization to do that, or would it be in some situations insulting to a candidate? Yeah, it's a great question. So I would I would start with uh, things that are a little bit more certain, and then move uh, out from that. I you know I do 
work in church context. I do work in faith-based nonprofits, and I do work in uh, for-profit businesses that desire a faith fit. And uh, I would say that the most important thing is to have a strong employee handbook. And and if you have on the records what you're uh, expecting from your employees as a behavior on the job and related to the job, um, then you're uh, absolutely legally empowered to ask about those things, right? If, for instance, I hire people for organizations that that don't allow drinking uh, or smoking, and so you know, I, for instance, work with for rescue missions, uh, and they're working with a highly addicted population, and you just they have found it prudent that their employees, regardless of what their viewpoint on uh, drinking and smoking might be, it just is not helpful to the residents to see, you know, someone who's, so we ask those questions. Those are behavioral questions that we would include. Um, so it, it's natural to ask for competence and it's important to, to measure for competence, but your point is, how do you assess character? And so in a church, for instance, um, the, a pastor, or a staff member has really a, a, a more complicated or a dual relationship technically with the congregation where there is a professional service that's happening on a Sunday that they're delivering a sermon or they're teaching a class, but there's an expectation that the life of the pastor is more a part of the life of the congregation. And so it would be more common in that setting to uh, talk to a spouse if there is a spouse, all job, you know, interviews require uh, references. And, and frankly, I think references done well can, can really help us quite a bit. Uh, everybody, as it happens, has that Sunday school teacher or someone that just loves them to pieces and will write a letter that make them sound like the Pope uh, or you know Billy Graham. Uh, that's not helpful, but direct supervisors, uh, those who have worked for a person directly and immediate colleagues in an organization are always helpful. And we insist on that 360 degree uh, reference check. And so, you know, just as it says in the scriptures, Acts 16, 2, you know, the brothers of Lystra and Derby spoke well of Timothy and Paul decided to take him on the journey. That was an interest exam, of course, to St. Paul University. You know, <laughs> Timothy went along and, and enrolled in a formal education process, but also he joined Paul's missionary band and Paul checked his references, you know, before he came along. I think that's that's real important. Uh, I see a lot in churches, but also nonprofit orgs that somebody knows somebody and say, hey, I got a guy. I know somebody. And everybody just says, well, you know, John knows him, right? And they don't really do the in-depth checking because John knows them, right? Well, does John know them is the, is the question. You know, does he know them in depth? Have they, have they checked references? Have they looked at the background? Have they looked at their, you know, in-depth, what they've actually done in other organizations? So if you do a real careful background check, the truth is past performance is always the best indicator of future performance. It's yeah. just, you know, the way we are, that's always the most reliable factor. So asking questions that every recruiter knows to ask, tell me why you left so-and-so job, right? Tell me what was behind that, right? Well, so sometimes they want to tell you and sometimes they don't. And so when they don't, then you have to do a little bit of checking. You know, I, I, I have been doing this for <laughs> professionally for about a decade and sometimes 
there are very good reasons why the person left and you can find the court cases to document it. And they, you know, they don't want to, they don't want you to know all that. And, and so um, it's, it's more challenging today where we're not as uh, well networked. There's a lot of independent churches, non-denominational churches, organizations that aren't talking to other organizations and it's tough to have a clearinghouse. And so people often will, have some problems in one organization and move to another and they don't call supervisors. But I just, I just think that's, that's uh, malpractice. I mean, you gotta, you gotta find out what they did actually, you know, in the last, last place. So. Yeah. You know, Rich, uh, nobody's perfect. And uh, some people do have uh, significant problems in their past for which there has been um, true repentance, restoration, and maybe even many subsequent years of faithful, ministry and service. Uh, is there a statute of limitations on character issues? If, uh, uh, you know, if somebody, um, you know, is 50 or 60 years old applying for a senior executive job, had some indiscretions in their, you know, 20s, 30s, uh, uh, how, do, how do you deal with that biblically and as a practical matter? Yeah, in fact, Warren, one of the questions I always ask, I had uh, a opportunity to sit down with George Barna and I said, uh, said, George, you do a lot of research on leadership. I said, I, I'm involved in interviewing leaders. I said, what is one question that I should always ask? And he said, without hesitation, he said, I, I always ask, in what area have you made mistakes or had significant failure or disappointment in your work? And what did you learn from it? And so I always ask that question. And at times I happen to know because, you know, I know people that know people, I know what their mistakes are, but I want them to know their mistakes because um, that's the only way that we can grow. I mean, look, the room for improvement is always the biggest room in the house. We've all uh, done things that we're ashamed of, that we wish we hadn't done. And so learning from those mistakes, being able to articulate them, being able to say what they've done differently because of that. Uh, I have at times, you know, interviewed um, individuals for situations and they've told me up front, listen, I, this is why I left this post. Here are the men that walked through that with me. Here are their telephone numbers. You can call any of them and I'm just going to invite you. And, and I've done that. I've, I've talked to the people who are involved in that conversation. And at times they've said, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if he has changed. And in other times they said, you know, this is a changed man and here's what we see differently in him. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it is wonderful to see restoration and healing and someone who's stronger because of the mistakes and the failures that they've overcome uh, that's that's what we look for, you know. The, that Jacob leader who still uh, leads with a limp is is what we all look for because they have compassion. They're a wounded healer, so yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is a beautiful thing, and you described it in a very beautiful way too. So thank you, there, Rich, for that. Uh, Rich, just to sort of uh, bring us to a close, uh, anything that I'm just not smart enough to ask you that uh, you, you know you wanted to share and uh, you you think is important that we should that we should hear from you. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think you're one of the smartest people I know. So I don't think it's about smart. Uh, I probably just uh, took you down a, a back road, but we've focused a lot on the individual. And I think that that is important that we're assessing calling, that we're assessing character, that we're assessing competence. But the culture of the organization in the end is actually more powerful and more pervasive than just one person. And so sometimes uh, you have healthy systems and healthy cultures. And so it you could take someone who has maybe had some mistakes, had some unhealth in their past, and in a healthy culture, they're actually encouraged and empowered and strengthened and perform very well. But in a dysfunctional uh culture that's toxic and has bad leadership, you can take someone who's even been very healthy and never had problems and you put them into that culture and it's a problem. So, you know, if you have one flat tire on your car, you you change the tire. If you had three or four, you might check the alignment. You know, there might be something wrong with the alignment of the system that's causing things to go flat. So I think that that's, uh, you know, uh, organizational health, cultural health, uh, is very, very important. And, and you know, people who are abused, people who are ignored, people who are put in bad situations will often lash out and have uh, bad behavior. And I'm not saying it's not their fault, but I will say that if we're diagnosing, we need to look at the role of the system and the culture as well as the individual. Yeah, that's a really good word, Rich. Thank you so much. Well, Dr. Rich Kidd, thank you so much for being on the program today. It's been a real blessing to see you and chat with you, and I'm really grateful for your wisdom. Thanks for sharing it. Great to see you, Warren. I hope your listeners have a great day. That brings to a close my conversation with Dr. Rich Kidd. Rich is the founding partner of Mission Leadership. You can find out more about him and his firm at Mission Leadership, all one word, Org. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database, editorial, and technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Kim Roberts, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.